your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. It's an immaculate inning for Kane Povich. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. Wow, what a start by Povich here in Lincoln today. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Tim Curran and Austin Orman. That's right. Tim Curran and Austin Orman. No Greg Sharp, no Ben McLaughlin. Well, not no Greg Sharp and no Ben McLaughlin. We'll be joined by Greg coming up in just about 15, 20 minutes or so. Greg and Ben have arrived in Fayetteville. We have confirmation of that, as Josh told you in the ticker. Husker's 7 o'clock first pitch against Northeastern tomorrow in regionals. Ben will join us for the faceoff at the start of Hour 3. So don't worry, you'll still hear from them. But the bulk of the show, Tim, it's you and I again. We had them last Friday. They get us again tonight. Back by popular demand, or rather unpopular demand. We're here, <laughs> whether they like it or not. But yeah, Ben and Greg definitely deserve the deserve the night off, at least to what they can get. They'll they'll certainly be featured on this here show tonight. But uh, we're stepping in, stepping up big time as needed to help fill in for those guys. You know, too tuckered out. I guess it happens <laughs> when you get old, when you travel. Uh, they need to kick their feet up and rest. We understand, and uh, more than happy to fill the uh, the backup role. Uh, I think that's what uh, what I was born to do. Well, Tim, you were almost relegated to the bench tonight. Brett was on buy sell last night. People loved his appearance, so there was some talk about giving Brett a shot in the in the co-host chair tonight. But uh, we decided to stick with the known commodity. So thanks for no. thanks for pulling through for us. You, know, you can only handle so much Brett Witty. I mean, it's good in small <laughs> doses, but too much too soon, and you're you're in for a bad time. As the people know. Just kidding. No, Brett, you're great. All right, so we talked to Greg coming up on the show here in about 15, 20 minutes. That'll be the big headline of Hour 1. Hour 2, we'll get into some Nebraska name image likeness news. Also go beyond the headlines. Producer Josh Extraordinaire will join us from back here in the Control Center. Hour 3, the face-off. And Andy Weingarten from... Louisville, Kentucky area. He's our horse racing expert. He will join us at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour. The Belmont third leg of the Triple Crown this Saturday was the first leg last year back to its normal spot in the third position. Now, Tim, this week's been all about Husker baseball. That's where we start. They're going down to Fayetteville to take on number one overall seed, Arkansas. And there's been a lot of, you know, hand-wringing about Nebraska in Arkansas. A lot of the, what does Nebraska have to do to win a regional sort of talk. Bigger picture take tonight, Tim. I'll start with you. What is your take on, what is this Nebraska baseball program's ceiling? Is it enough to just get to regionals where Nebraska has been for the last decade or so? Is there more juice in the tank where Nebraska should be challenging for more super regionals and should expect that under Will Bolt even higher than that? What do you think this Nebraska program ceiling is in the baseball world? Oh, it, it's tough to say, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you an answer. I don't want to couch. I, I do think that for now, I think that Husker fans should be pretty happy where they're at. I mean, whenever you're getting into a regional, you're 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 in the conversation. You're in a good place. Um, now, that being said, if you're a Husker fan and you've been around uh, for a while and you, you witnessed this team under Dave Van Horn and you witnessed this team make a College World Series run, that's obviously where you as a Husker fan would want to see Nebraska's back in the CWS. But that is such a high uh, mark to clear that you can't really reasonably expect Nebraska to be on that on that doorstep to the CWS, um, uh, you know, year in year out, that that's a little bit too much. As as much as Husker fans would love it, I mean, one day you would like to see Nebraska get back to being able to host a regional. That's a pretty big deal, and they were very very close to it this year. So I think I think you can actually gradually, you know, adjust your expectations higher. Uh, we're, we're very early here right. in the Will Bolt era, but I think that there's lots for Husker fans to be optimistic about. Are you going to be able to win the Big Ten? every single year no but i do think that you know quite frankly as as the big 10 is getting stronger so are the huskers um you know there's been a lot of talk about michigan they were ranked all year indiana's been a solid program for a while but nebraska is right in that conversation and and certainly um uh, under erstad and under bolt they they have a serious uh challenge to to win the big 10 every year and i think they're they're definitely capable of, of winning it 
quite frequently. And so I think that's that's kind of their where their ambitions should be set is, is winning the conference as often as possible and, and then hopefully getting to a place where they can start hosting regionals and then see where it goes from there. I don't know if I feel comfortable projecting out beyond that. Uh, if you were in a position, though, to host a regional, you're already one of the better teams in the country, obviously. So right. that's that's still a pretty lofty <laughs> expectation that I've, I've put on the big red. But, no, I, I think that – at the very least, you want to see this team go out and, and, and be competitive. And that's what you saw in 2019 when Nebraska went sure. down to Oklahoma City and they gave up four runs devastatingly late in the ninth inning to the Cowboys. And, and they got sent packing, uh, I believe it was by UConn the next day and that kind of next thrashing. Morning. But yeah. um, I, I think I think that's what you're looking for is I think right now, Husker fans, you don't want to say, oh, just be happy. You're you're at you know, you got an invite to the party, you know. Uh, standing in the corner um, as everyone else has a good time. I mean, you want to be able to make some noise whenever you get there. But uh, I do think that for for this season, given the draw that Nebraska got to go to Fayetteville to the number one overall seed, which is insane. I'm sure we'll get into this later, and we've already talked about it all week anyway. But, you know, you, you, you go to a regional, and you're going to have to play the number one overall seed in the entire tournament. That is just nuts. And you want to see Nebraska compete. Uh, I would not anticipate that they get out of Fayetteville. I could be absolutely wrong. I, I could, could just be, be absolutely wrong on that. But I, I think for right now, the, the season that Nebraska's had, um, having just played that conference-only schedule, because, again, that's all the Big Ten gave them. They just said, you know, you're only going to play conference-only uh, games and there's going to be no Big Ten tournament. And uh, Nebraska won 31 games. That, that That's a heck of an achievement. So um, there's going to be a lot of eyes. Andy is, of course, listening in on the Husker Sports Network this weekend at, at Fayetteville and, and see how, how just how good this Nebraska team is, if they can make any noise in the regional. But, you know, it's going to be a tall task. But uh, th- this program is trending up. So so whatever happens this weekend, I think that Husker fans can, can feel very optimistic about the future of this program. So we're six minutes in, and I already want to walk something back a little bit. I said ceiling, and I don't think that's the best best word, best turn of phrase to describe it. Because I think for any, you know, power five, maybe power six, seven in baseball, any of those power conference programs, the ceiling is a college world series appearance. It would not shock anyone to see Nebraska in a college world series. But what I'm getting at when I say ceiling is like a, you know, what's, what's the highest sustainable threshold, right? And I think for Nebraska, making a regional every year, maybe eight out of 10 years is good, I think you should start, you know, though challenging for a super regional once or twice a decade, you know, make it to that last game with a shot to go to a super regional. You know, if everything aligns, if the stars line up, you get the bounces, you get the draw that works out right, then yeah, maybe you're challenging for a college world series once every 10 to 15 years, because if you're hosting a regional, which Nebraska was clearly within the picture to do this year under normal circumstances, Nebraska probably does host a regional if they're not pre-selecting sites. So if you're in that conversation, you're one of the top 16 or 20 teams in the country. I think that is, you know, more than fair. If you're challenging for a super regional, you're pretty comfortably in the top 16 or you maybe did a little bit of damage in your regional, pulled a minor upset. If you're expecting to be a College World Series team, you're one of the top, you know, 10, 15 teams in the country. Right now, I think that's a little ambitious, a little audacious. So, you know, give it three, four years. And I think Nebraska should probably, you know, start. We should see Nebraska in a super regional or two. For now, yep, you're in a regional in a weird year. That's awesome. Definitely something to celebrate. But I really do think there is some more juice in this program to be able to turn that corner. The only issue I see with that, Tim, is the Big Ten, a conference that hasn't exactly put its best foot forward when it comes to baseball. The conference still doesn't have the best reputation. And that's where, you know, coming out of the Big Ten, Nebraska gets the draw that it does, where if Nebraska is still in the Big 12, that's a conference that, at least on the surface, seems to care a whole lot more about baseball. Maybe there's a little bit more infrastructure there, a little bit more support, a little bit more national recognition, one, one less card stacked in the deck against Nebraska. Yeah, no, that's all. That's all good points. I, I would, I did definitely agree that Nebraska has the potential to get to a super regional. Not maybe this year, given the draw they got. But hey, if they had gone to to South Bend or um, wherever, wherever they sent Maryland Greenville, I mean, <laughs> you, you'd probably be looking at that as a pretty reasonable expectation. And also, this this year's been different because, as I mentioned, you had the conference only schedule. But with Will Bolt at the helm, I feel fairly confident, especially given the the pipeline of recruits they've been able to snag. I mean, there's a lot of excitement and energy 
around this program. And I think there was a little bit of that at the beginning of, of Erstad's tenure. But, um, you know, with the, the turnaround Will Bolt has had, he had a, the 2020 season cut short because of COVID. Um, and then 2021 turns around and wins the conference. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's that's not bad, uh, you know, to, to put it mildly. <laughs> that is that is a decent little rate uh, to, to turn around a program. And, and there's, a, there's a lot, uh, obviously, uh, years ahead. Lots of, you know, lots of things still to be settled and cited. Um, but in terms of, of, like I said, where the, where the program is trending, there's no reason for anyone to believe why Nebraska can't be consistently, or at least at once every few years, getting to a Super Regional. I mean, that, that is definitely attainable. Um, and, you know, I think definitely within the next four or five years, I would, I would definitely anticipate this team to be able to host a Regional. I, I really do believe that. It's going to be tough given that the Big Ten does not always have the best reputation, uh, certainly not by the writers, and, and Nebraska got the, the short end of the stick there. And certainly when they, when they released the, the, the regional hosts, uh, when, they, when the answer they did, when the, the 20 potential sites, um, and, and Nebraska was not on it, that obviously very much lit a fire underneath uh, Will Bolt and this team. And, and that's what I like to see is, is, is Coach Bolt is – is still young. He still has that passion, and 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 kind of seeing his brand being imprinted on this team. Um, you know that that Jackson Hallmark quote going around. You know, don't care. Um, um, or I believe that was Jackson Hallmark. So please yes. forgive me if it wasn't. But I, <laughs> but but I, that that kind of team to see how quickly they've taken on that mentality. Um, if they keep that mentality uh, from season to season, uh, yeah, that you're going to see this team in a super regional sooner rather than later. Folks, if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to chime in on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. So the big picture discussion, let's narrow it down a little bit. Nebraska in Fayetteville, Northeastern tomorrow. Depending on how that goes, either Arkansas or the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Tim, it is a tall task for Nebraska, as we've mentioned, as we've heard from everyone that's been on the program. You know, it bears repeating how big a test it is. Arkansas is really, really good. But there's always a path out of a regional. So if you're in Nebraska, you're down in Fayetteville, how do you draw it up to find your way to a super regional? I hope that njit takes down arkansas uh <laughs> i don't i i don't i don't know what the roadmap looks like but um i mean anything's possible I mean, if you go back to 2017 did anyone expect yale and holy cross to send nebraska packing uh right away and i think the answer to that is no um did anyone expect nebraska to uh, you know be on the verge of beating oklahoma city in the uh in the oklahoma or rather oklahoma state in the oklahoma city regional i mean i i don't think anyone saw that coming either of course in the end it was Okie State that, that got the better of the big red but uh you know you obviously take care of business against Northeastern uh Friday night and I have no reason to, to believe why Nebraska can I mean Kate Povich will be in the start six and one of the season has the lefty he's been having a fantastic year really has lockdown stuff so I, I don't anticipate Nebraska running into any problems Sunday or fr- rather Friday night but beyond that it, it's going to be tough um to, to, to see how Nebraska gets out of Fayetteville. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm a Debbie Downer, uh, too much of a pessimist, but, um, you know, the, the, the way I see it is is that, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to get out of Fayetteville. <laughs> Obviously, best, best case scenario, Nebraska wins the regional. But, man, I think if you get a shot at Arkansas and you, you beat Arkansas at least once, I think that does wonders for the conference. You, know, you beat Arkansas twice, you're probably out of the regional. And yeah, that's a lot to ask. But I, I don't think if you're Nebraska, well, I think if you're Nebraska, the easiest way through the regional is to duck Arkansas. But long term, I think you want to play the Hogs. I really do. If you show up, you compete, you play a good game, maybe you steal a game from them, maybe you don't. But if you show up and you compete, that's got to help the league, right? And I know I'm, I, I've never been someone that's huge on you know conference rooting but for the sake of nebraska baseball in the future so something like this it doesn't happen i think it would be a huge opportunity for nebraska to get to face off against arkansas and say hey yeah doesn't matter what conference we're in we belong with the big boys we can hang with them we can play we deserve better yeah no i I could see that especially given how michigan's run uh, in, in 2019, the CWS uh, boosted their profile. I think the I think the only issue is sometimes it's hard to differentiate between how much 
credit is the conference going to get for one individual team success versus how much it's just that individual team right. going to get credit for. But yeah, it's, it's every experience is a growing experience. And so I think if Nebraska did get a shot at Arkansas and then had a chance to, to you know, go toe-to-toe with them, which I think they can hang around with, with the Razorbacks. I mean, there's, uh, there, there's no reason to, to, to believe why Nebraska is just going to get smoked. Um, but, but that being said, it's, it's going to be a tough challenge. So, um, you know, but like I said, this, this team has really embodied that kind of that spirit. You know, obviously, when you go back and look at the reaction to, to when the team was picked uh, to go to the Fayetteville Regional, it was muted, to, to, to say the best. I mean, there was some kind of, you know, nervous sort of energy. And, 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 and it was kind of a, OK, we see what the NCAA just did. We see where we just got packed when we're watching uh, where Michigan's getting sent, and where Maryland's getting sent. It's almost like they got punished for for winning the conference. But. I think that this is a team that's going to rise to the challenge. So I've, I have no reason to believe otherwise. And, and I think that, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's going to be anyone that gets the Super Regional or any team, any Husker team that gets the Super Regional, I, uh, I wouldn't count them out necessarily, but I, I do think it's tall order. 531-500-4686, the number to call or text if you have any thoughts on Husker baseball throughout the show tonight. When we come back, Greg Sharp joins us from Fayetteville, the voice of the Huskers. He'll chime in from down in hog territory. Stick around, Greg Sharp, after this. Sports Nightly rolling along here on a Thursday night, the eve of NCAA Baseball Tournament Regionals. Austin Norman with you here. Happy to be joined now by the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp down in Fayetteville. Greg, I assume you and Ben stopped in or around Kansas City for lunch. You have some uh, pulled pork symbolizing what Nebraska hopes to do this weekend? (laughs) We did stop in Kansas City. We did have barbecue, uh, and I think Ben did have some pork. Uh, No, no, I asked for pork, and the place we went to was out of pork, so I went with beef and turkey. What's so your what's hopefully your, the turkey the turkey call gets uh, gets the job done. <laughs> what's your preferred Kansas City establishment on your way through? Do you have one? Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big Gates guy. Brian, I, I like that as well. Jack Stack is good. It's that Jack Stack's more of a sit down restaurant where the other two are a little bit quicker service. And we were trying to book our way through. So so Gates is probably my lean. But man, there's so many good barbecue joints in there. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's just the thing. Really hard to go wrong hard road for nebraska to hoe before we get into the specifics of this team this fayetteville regional something tim and i talked about greg a little more big picture with husker baseball what's the highest sustainable level for this nebraska program it's been a pretty consistent regional contender dating back to the later darren erstad years now year won't really year one under will bolt full year one Regional is a good start. Is this the, the highest sustainable level, or do you think there's some more juice in this Nebraska program under Will Bolt? No, I think, you know, I, I think getting to regionals is one thing. Being able to host regionals is maybe the next step the program needs to do because it's, you know, history will tell you that your percentage of moving on in this tournament is if you're hosting. And so if you can get to the point where not only are you getting into the tournament year after year, and I think this program's kind of gotten to that point here recently, but get to the point where you can host. And that um, that's possible. We, we've seen a handful of Big Ten teams that have hosted down through the years. And so, and I think this year, if Nebraska had been allowed to play non-conference games, might have been a year where they would have been able to host as well. So I think advancing in the tournament, I, I think, is is doable for this program in the next three to five years and i i think hopefully it starts this weekend it's obviously a huge task ahead with the great great arkansas team here but i i think not only getting austin into the tournament but hosting which increases your chance of of advancing three or four big 10 teams in the tournament pretty consistently three of them this year nebraska michigan and maryland the three is, is hosting a regional easier, harder, about the same level as when Nebraska's in the Big 12? The conference doesn't seem to support it as much as the Big 12 does for baseball. Is that another little card stacked in the deck against Nebraska, or is that not really a factor? No, it is. It is. And, you know, not that it's impossible because we've had teams in the league. Minnesota has hosted. Purdue has hosted. Illinois, Indiana have hosted. Uh, So you can do it, but it's harder to do it. I I just think you look at the Big 12 this year. They've got three top eight national seeds who who may not have to leave their ballpark to get to Omaha. So you don't really get that in the Big Ten. So it, it is a little bit more challenging. We knew that. 
when the, the transfer of the leagues happened 11 years ago, we knew that the ball bat sports were going to be probably a tougher road to hold. It's still doable, though, and that's the challenge Will Bolt and the staff will, will need to continue to face, and I think they know that. I think you're going to see them schedule difficult teams to play in the non-conference so that they get a good RPI, and I think they're going to put good products on the field most years to, to make sure that they not only play a good schedule but win so that you can get to the hosted Haymarket Park. Drilling down from the big picture now to the task at hand for the Huskers, the Fayetteville Regional. You get to this time of the year, Nebraska seems like it's clicking on all cylinders. Offense has been solid, defense good all year, pitching is good. And I think that's the key, though, Greg, as I look at regionals and the key to advancing. Obviously, you have to play well in all three phases. But it really seems to come back to pitching more frequently than not. We see those guys throwing 120, 130 pitches sometimes for starters to save the bullpen. Cade Povich, Chance Roach have been good all year for Nebraska. Kyle Perry, Shea Shanneman have certainly had their moments. Do you think the Nebraska pitching stacks up in this regional? They have enough to at least make a run at things? Yeah, I do. I like the depth that Nebraska has with this pitching staff. I think it's one of the deepest pitching staffs that I've been around in Husker baseball in 14 years because you can bring guys like Buns out of the bullpen or Cody Frank or Spencer certainly out of the bullpen to give you added innings. We've seen Emmett Olson kind of step up his game in recent weeks. Max Schreiber is a guy that's capable of going and giving you multiple innings in multiple days. So I think there's some real depth which which benefits you in this part of the tournament, the regional round where you have four teams. You may have to play up to five games to get out of here, and you're going to have to win, and you pointed it out there earlier about the Nebraska fields it well, hits it well, pitches it well. You're go- you, usually, if you get through a regional, you're going to win a low-scoring game. You're going to win a high-scoring game, and you better make some plays defensively. And Nebraska's capable of doing all three of those things. One guy you mentioned there, Spencer Schwellenbach, named second-team All-American today. Is he an option to start a game at some point in this regional? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, you know, Will Bolt even said today at the press conference that he that he took part in, he said, yeah, we're you're going to see Spencer probably quite a bit on the mound. That for us to advance, we need him out there. He's our one of our best guys, best arms. Um, I was on one of our affiliates today, and they said, okay, be creative, Greg. What would that look like? And I said, well, it could look like if you can get a victory over Northeastern on Friday that maybe Spencer's an option to start Saturday night. And maybe he can only go four or five innings. But if you can hold down Arkansas, because that game, too, as we know from 2019, and that law, that gut-wrenching loss to Oklahoma State, that's the key game of a regional. Get two wins in, and you have a huge leg up on getting there. So I, I think – I think Will Bolt is going to use everything at his disposal. This is the time you have to do that. And Spencer starting a game, absolutely. I think that's uh, in play this weekend. So Schwellenbach starts on the mound, probably bring Efri Cervantes in to play shortstop. And then the back end of that bullpen, though, is Jake Buns the closer? Is it Cam Wynn? Is it by committee? What? How does that change things for the Husker pen? Yeah, I think it's... Both those guys have the ability to do that. Hey, close a game out. No, he's been starting most. He did come out of the pen this week in the Michigan regular season finale, but he has worked out of the back of the pen in his Husker career. So I think you tell your pitching staff, you may do something different this all season long because it's postseason. So long. And so all guys know that, that they have to be willing to do some certain things. Regional, let's see, I, I believe it was 2014. The opening game to Cal State Fullerton, a tremendous game on Friday. Chance Sinclair was great. Huskers ended up giving up. A, the bullpen gave up a three-run home run late, and they lost to Fullerton. So they come back the next day to play Binghamton. And Darren goes and, and starts Austin Christensen, not a guy that you would normally start, but he says, okay, I want if we're going to win this thing, we're going to have to go four or five deep. I'm going to save some more starters. We believe Austin can beat Binghamton. He did. And then they came back around and had a real battle with Fullerton again on a Saturday, uh, on a Sunday uh, afternoon that they ended up lo- losing four to three. So you've got to be creative. You've got to be maybe do some things against the trend line that you established during your regular season once you're into regional play. 
I certainly think we've seen that buy-in from this team all year with the amount of sacrifice bunts we've we've seen from the offense. I'm sure the pitching staff will be happy to buy in. So switching gears to that offense, Greg, we've really seen production from all nine spots in the Husker lineup at different points this season. One guy we haven't seen as much recently, though, Cam Chick. Now that's a guy that can really carry an offense through a regional setting mm-hmm. when he gets hot. What have you seen or not seen from him in the last few weeks? Yeah, he just he's not been his normal self. And I know the coaches have been having him do some extra batting practice and working with him because Cam Chick can be and should needs to be a big part of this lineup. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. What kind of chances does he get this weekend? Uh, who does get those ABs? I mean, we've seen kind of a revolving door at times in that outfield with Mojo or Logan Foster or Cam Chick in left or Leighton Banjoff in left. It'll be interesting to see who the coach puts in there. And I think that's what some of the practice sessions they've had this week in preparation for tomorrow night's game may go a long ways into who gets in the lineup, who had good BPs on Tuesday or Wednesday, or who's shown today when they had their 90-minute session at Bomb Stadium earlier today. Uh, It'll be interesting to see, but you're right, Chick, not only for this team, but looking ahead to 2022, he needs to be a big part of things for Nebraska. I'm glad you brought up that left field spot where we've seen guys like Leighton Banjoff, Chicks played there, Mojo Haggy, Logan Foster. Do you think Nebraska will play the matchups at all, or do you think it really comes down to more of the, the preparation where they don't really have time to you know give guys a shot when it's all but do or die time? Both. Yeah, I think you look at matchups and you also just look at what what do you think gives us the best chance to play. If you're anticipating a lower scoring game where defense is really going to be at a premium, maybe you go Mojo. He's your best defender out there. If you really need a right-handed bat, maybe it's Foster or Banjoff. If it's it's a left-handed bat and you think there could be a lot of runs scored, you go Chick, who maybe gives you a, a better stick in there with the offense. So I think you analyze all that when you put that lineup card together and you also can't be afraid, Austin, to make a move mid game right. try to do something so maybe you may see another pinch hit or two this weekend that maybe you haven't seen during the regular season that's a look at nebraska looking at the regional as a whole nebraska the only team not coming off a conference tournament nebraska done a day early supposed to have that three game set against michigan friday saturday sunday of course moved to a double header on saturday does that extra day help nebraska at all with these other teams coming off their conference tournaments does it not matter how do you see that rest versus rust debate playing down in fayetteville now, I think that's a great point to bring up, and, and we really haven't talked about that much this week. But, you know, Northeastern, the opponent tomorrow, got extended well into Sunday, in the, and they used a lot of arms through a lot of innings. In fact, their main starter not ready to go tomorrow. They're going to have to hold him for later in the weekend. Uh, and Arkansas, the same thing. The, the, they only had to play four games to make their way through the SEC tournament, so they may not be as gassed as much. NJIT, though, also in a tournament as well. I think that might lean an advantage for Nebraska, that they are a well-rested, particularly with their arms in the bullpen, a well-rested team going into this thing that starts here tomorrow. So Nebraska not seeing the Northeastern ace, but still seeing a kid drafted in the 11th round by the Red Sox, so certainly not mm-hmm. an easy road. Last thing before we set you loose on the Fayetteville scene, Greg, you're down there. How do you draw up the path for Nebraska through this Fayetteville Regional if it wants a shot to advance? Yeah, I think I think obviously win tomorrow. I, I just I can't overstate that, that you have to get wins the first two days of a regional. I mean, it's possible to come back through, but it's a steep mountain, and it's hard to mentally lock your team in if they are really worried about can they make their way back up the mountain if you lose on day one. So day one is huge. That's why Povich is going tomorrow. And then I think you put – a load of energy into Saturday night. That's the game that's going to either give you a great chance to get through the weekend or you put the other team into the catbird seat with a 2-0 start. So that's the way. You you just put you, you don't leave anything on the drawing board or on the table in Saturday night's game if you're fortunate enough to get the win on Friday and get to that matchup. Absolutely. Greg Sharp down in Fayetteville, Huskers, and Northeastern. First pitch, 7 o'clock tomorrow. Extended pregame starts at 6. Well, Greg, don't do too much damage down there in Fayetteville. Keep Ben in line, and we'll look forward to hearing the call and seeing the game tomorrow. It's really hard to do that with Ben. I really thought you would want some, my take on the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul uh, exhibition fight on Sunday. I'm, I'm anxiously looking forward to that. And, and I, I wish you good luck, Austin, because I think tonight is the rubber match, right, with you and Ben and the uh, face-off. That it is. I. Uh, oh, baby. Yeah, I've been studying all day, so it's your job to distract Ben for me. Don't let him get on his phone or his laptop. <laughs> Keep him busy for well, me. Well, I'll – 
Yeah, I'll be here to make sure he's not opening up the laptop or the iPhone during the segment. Awesome. That's all I can ask. Appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Thursday night, sports nightly final hour of the evening, final hour of the week. Husker baseball down in Fayetteville will be about an hour into the game at this point tomorrow. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin on the call. We heard from Greg in hour one. We're about to hear it from Ben here at the start of this 8 o'clock hour. It's the face-off, myself versus Ben. Buck up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Buckle up, because here comes the face-off. It's time for Famous Day's Face-Off. They score with the face-off! Let's go. Mano, mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran. That's right. Here we are. It is the face-off and game or week two between... Austin and Ben. Ben, you were pretty dominant last week. You uh, had control throughout. Austin, you weren't able to get off to too much of a really any momentum whatsoever. What is your strategy this week to maybe grab a little bit more control? Well, I feel like the strategy is the same. I feel like in terms of gameplay, I was there. I, I buzzed in first pretty consistently, and I felt like... I got a decent amount of answers, and it just comes down to finish. You know, I should have had J.R. Smith and Tyson Chandler. Definitely should have had that. Uh, Felt dumb to not remember Oklahoma City, the most recent regional the Huskers were in. So strategy-wise, it's play the game. Execution-wise, got to finish a little better this week. Ben, how are you feeling, and uh, what's your strategy to repeat last week's performance and close out the dub? I... I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, to be honest. I'm not in a normal setting. Uh, sure. you know, Greg's on the couch over here mocking me. I got the <laughs> Royals on the TV over here. This is, uh, you know, I'm not in my normal, like, thinking chair, sure. so my surroundings are different. Um, but, you know, we're going to give it our best effort. I'm not the one staring at the trophy, Austin. Is. That's so right. All the pressure's on his side. Well, the other part of it, too, is Tim is going to be one of the ones asking the questions. Tim, how are you feeling? You haven't been on this side of things in a while asking questions here on Face Off. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I was on the uh, uh, part of the brain trust that came up with the questions, but I, wow. I, I've got some wickedly uh, wickedly difficult questions I've whipped up, and uh, I don't really care who wins or loses. I'm just here to, to you know, put these guys through their paces, so their, their knowledge uh, will be challenged tonight. I now, guarantee that. You, you should care, Tim, because I'm coming <laughs> for you. I, I am coming. All right. You well, better get off the train. Joss, before Tim said he's got wicked hard questions. Are they actually I was, wicked hard? What I was going to say is I told Austin earlier today that I was actually pleasantly surprised slash impressed with the questions that Tim came up with. They were oh, solid okay. questions. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that and let you guys be uh, surprised with the rest of it. But I have the okay. first question, so let's jump right into it. Question number one, who are the last five College World Series runner-ups. Austin. Austin in first. Uh, Michigan. Show me Michigan. (laughs) Correct. They uh, lost to Vanderbilt in the most recent uh, College World Series in 2019. Okay, I will play. Okay. And I will say Nebraska's first... uh, Round regional host, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Show me the Razorbacks. Two for two so far. Three to go. Arkansas was in 2018, so the year before Michigan, they lost to Oregon State in the final. Uh, How about Florida? Show me Florida. They're not on the list. One strike. So you've got Michigan and Arkansas. How about then? What if I, what if I say Oregon State? How about the Beavers? Show me Oregon State. No, they are not in there. Uh, back to last week, starting hot, finishing slow. Yeah, we, you got the first two, but slowed down a little bit. I feel Ben chomping at the bit here. 
This is a little bit of a hint, but not really. There, there are no repeats in this. These are five different teams in the last five years, five seasons. Right. So again, you've gotten 2019 and 2018, so you have the three before that, 17, 16, and 15. How about LSU? Show me LSU. You that? Dang it. <laughs> they uh, were in 2017. They lost to Florida in the championship. That's right. They did. Remember that now. They sure did. All right. So now you are over halfway there. You have three correct answers. You have two to go, but you also have two strikes. That I do. I also have Ben ready with the other two. Maybe. Uh, he seemed a little upset that you got that one. He did. I I, I got some more contenders on the list. I all was right, just the, all right. the, probably the most sure of LSU. All right. Uh, let me think here. Brady Singer's Florida Gators, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I watched Jackson Coar's Florida Gators. I watched that uh, team play against, I believe, believe it was TCU that year in 2017. Uh. How about South Carolina? Show me South Carolina. All right, that's three strikes, which means, Ben, it is over to you for a chance at the steal. All right. I, I, I'm fairly certain this was, the, this was there on the list. All right. They played Oklahoma State in the semifinals, and I only know this because we played both teams. And... I'm trying to remember who won it that year, but I remember. I think I remember them making it to the national championship with Bobby Dahlback as their third baseman. Give me the Arizona Wildcats. Show me Arizona for the steal. That is correct. They uh, right. lost to Coastal Carolina in 2016. That's who it was, finals. yeah. Uh -huh. Coastal Carolina. And then the other one that we were missing, Vanderbilt lost to Virginia and in they 2015. The, they, were the other they were the other team on my list. Wow, there you go. All yeah. right. Austin, right I did along. have South Carolina on my list, by the way, though. Well, so it makes me you. feel slightly less bad. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, because I took one off your list. But obviously, you were sure anyway. So. Yeah. Well. Okay, gentlemen, get ready for my question. Okay, name four of the top five active college basketball coaches with the most career wins. Austin. Ben. Okay, Austin. All right. Well, Coach K is still active, so give me Mike Krzyzewski. Well, okay, I'm not... Let me let me just add the caveat. I'm not gonna. We're not including Coach K. So what is this? Excuse me. He's active. He has another year. I meant to say except Coach K. Well, he's that's not the question. <laughs> Outside of Coach K, I'm not gonna buzz you. Oh I'm not gonna God. buzz you. But I just well, thought okay. Do I, do I get my you second get a, guess? You get then? another okay. guess. Yeah, you get, get another, another guess. guess. Jim Beheim. <laughs> Show me Jim Beheim. Oh my go. God! Happy now. What Austin. in the world? What are we doing here? Right. Where's Greg? <laughs> Both need to. Well, he, he, I gotta tell him what happened after this. <laughs> well, okay, whatever. You 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 get the deal. You get the deal. Okay. Uh, All pass right. or play. I'm playing. I'm Jeff. saying, Huggy Bear, Bob Huggins. Show me Bob Huggins. Yes, sir. 900 career wins. He's third on the list. Jim Beheim first. You have two more. All right. How about Slick Rick Patino? Show me Slick Rick. No, sir. Rick Pitino, not, not on the uh, the all-time, or at least not in the top five. I'm active minus I'm active. Coach K. <laughs> Excuse uh, Coach K. Coach That's what I meant to say. John Calipari. Show me Cal Pal. Correct. Cal Pal at 742. He's fifth on the list of all-time winningest active College basketball coaches, technically six, I guess, if you have Coach K, but fifth. Uh, okay, you got one more. Bill Self. Show me Bill Self. No, sir, no Bill Self. That's two strikes for Austin. You got one last chance. And again, you only need four or five. Correct. So you have two that are out there as possibilities. There are two, two names to choose from, but just need one of them. Okay. Uh, Let me think here. 
Um, I'm honestly still a little rattled from the, oh, the initial yeah. proceedings of this quest. That's good. Man. I gave you another guess. <laughs> rattled, I mean, it's, not like, it's not like it counted against you. It's like just yeah, name yeah, the rest Yeah, awesome. Besides. You can be glad you still have control of the category. Oh, I know. Yeah. Tim didn't take that from you, too. <laughs> true. I'm uh, going back and forth between a few here. Don't might as well pick one. Don't tell us what they are because I'm ben not going steal to. One I, of them. It's true. You might as well tell one of them what you're thinking because it's taking a while. Thanks. <laughs> By the way, Tim must think Tim's that shot you're clock gonna, violation here. Tim must think <laughs> that you're going to get it wrong. He has his mouse in the uh, wrong <laughs> box. So how about Tom Izzo? Show me Tom Izzo. No, sir, not Tom Izzo. Okay, Ben. Another steal chance. So just to recap. Wow, I was surprised uh, that wasn't correct. Bayheim, Huggins, and John Calipari are off the board. There's two There's two more names. Um, Man, I, I didn't. I thought Tom Izzo was for sure on there. You can guess no, him. Give me. Um, hey, can, so can you tell me. <laughs> Who was the last place guy that he got correct? Uh, John I think Calabar you did already. With how many? With uh, He had 742 wins. All right. My two guesses are Rick Barnes and Mark Few, and I'm trying to decide between, decide between the two. Give me Rick Barnes. Show me Rick Barnes. <laughs> Sir. Not Rick Barnes. Can I reveal the answers, or does Ben get you, you have to reveal the answers. Okay. You have uh, to. Jim Calhoun. Yeah, you have at to. 918. He's second. Unless he's, he's still coaching. A, he's, he's he active? active? Yes. Where is he yes, coaching? Where is he coaching? He's at uh, uh, St. Joseph in West Hartford. So he technically counts. <laughs> it's a school in Connecticut. you got to be kidding me, Tim. Okay. You're counting, okay, who's you're the counting other one? Jim Calhoun, but you're not counting Mike Krzyzewski. Who's the other one? <laughs> uh, Cliff Ellis. Cliff who Ellis, is that? South Alabama. Who the? So there you go. Who is Cliff Ellis? He's the uh, coach at uh, South Alabama, isn't he? Yeah. Or no, is it Coastal Carolina? Yeah, uh, Coastal uh, Carolina. Greg says he's retired. Uh oh. Uh, this is no. under Tim, This question is no, an absolute no, disaster. An ass from there. the get-go. This. Uh, okay. Okay. He's still there. Congratulations, Austin. I, you win, well, here's you the thing. I'm category. still playing this under protest, even though I won it. I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, you get so rattled by. I, I literally just included excluding Coach K, which I was what I meant to say. I just forgot that part of the Josh, beginning. Josh, can you ask your like, next oh, question, yeah. please? Let's go on we to question on. number three. You and guys are just the worst. I don't. I don't think that this one has any disputes <laughs> with it, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, moving to the NBA here. Name the five teams that Tobias Harris has played for in his oh, career. Ben. Ooh. I'm going to give okay. Ben the benefit of the doubt there. It's basically a tie, and since Ben has a delay, we'll go with Ben first. Philadelphia 76ers. Show me the 76ers. All right, pass the play. Play. Okay. The L.A. Clippers. Show me the clips. Yep. Those are his two most recent teams, 76ers 2019 to present, the Clippers 2018 and 19. Orlando Magic. Show me the magic. That was 2013 to 16. How many more do I have? Two left. Got three down, no strikes. Um, Charlotte Hornets? Show me the Hornets. So now one strike. Again, the five teams in the NBA that Tobias Harris has played for in his career. We've got the 76ers, Clippers, and Magic looking for two more with one strike. Portland. Show me the Trailblazers. All right, two strikes, Ben. Hmm. Man, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. You should be able to get one of these. You don't have to, though. The other one is tough. Yeah, I really feel like I miss uh, the Hawks. Show me the Atlanta Hawks. Oh. Oh. 
correct. All right, so two opportunities here, Austin. All you one opportunity, two choices. One opportunity correct. and two choices that you can get that one opportunity correct. All right, I believe Tobias Harris was at one point a Detroit Piston. Was Tobias Harris at one point a Detroit Piston for the steal? He was. Well done. Let's go. Is that the one I should have gotten? Yes, that is the one you should have gotten. And uh, the other one, so he was with the Pistons from 16 to 18. And he was also, he started his career with the Bucks from 2011 to 13. Would not have known that Interesting. one. First member with the Magic. All right, Austin out to a 2-1 lead. Again, this game being played under protest. <laughs> okay. No, I'll, I'll, I'll be careful with this next one. Okay. Uh, name six of the top ten all-time rebound leaders in the NBA playoffs amongst ben. active players. Ben in first. Uh, LeBron James. Show me LeBron. Yes, sir. He's number one at 2,382. Not bad. Play. Okay. Active players with rebounds in the NBA playoffs. Yes. Um, how about... Oh, I don't, he, I don't know if he counts or not. I think he. Just, I think he's technically retired, or is he? Kevin Durant. Show me he's the Durantula. He is not retired, there. by the way. <laughs> I'm guessing you were talking about somebody else, and you went with Durant. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, or you else. are really out of touch with the NBA. He's number four on the list. Okay, um, Russell Westbrook might be on there. I'm gonna go Russell Westbrook. Show me Russ. Yes, sir. He's on there. He's on there. He's got three. Hmm. Need three more. Andre Iguodala. Show me Andre Iguodala. Oh, oh good guess. I thought that was a great guess. Good guess, but he's not Solid. on there. Just one strike, though. Still... And again, you're just looking for six of the ten. You don't have to name all ten. That would be a little bit ridiculous. How many do I need? Three more still? Yep. Yeah. You have three down. Three down, three to go, one strike. How about, how about Draymond Green? Is Draymond Green on there? You betcha. So you got four, and you just two more left. Hunter Dozier, Dong? No. That distracted me, to be honest with you. You got it on. Uh, okay, wrong sport. Okay, back to uh, NBA. How about... Kyrie Irving? I don't know. What about Kyrie? No, oh, sir, not Kyrie Irving. He is not on there. All right, you got one last guess to get at least two more of the ten. I'm guessing Austin has a few names written down over there. Won't reveal anything. May or may not. Yeah. I know there's probably I'm, – I'm probably thinking way too hard outside the box here. I'm trying to think of, like, an obscure guy that's old. Yeah. Raymond Felton? Not Raymond Felton. Who's the Felton? Pablo yeah. guy that you talked about? Pablo Prigioni? Yeah, he, he might be on there. Uh – He hasn't played in many games. Giannis? Show me Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, the Greek freak is not on there. Okay, Austin, your turn. Steal opportunity. Well, the issue, I, I have a number of names written down here. Um, a handful of them. Uh, they include luminaries such as Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Rajon Rondo. All right, which one are you going to go with? Are you going to pick one that's not on the list? Uh, I don't know is the thing. Um, go with your gut. Dwight Howard. Show me Dwight Howard. For the steal. Austin got it. Dwight Howard, second on the list. All right, Austin up three to one. Were my other three on the list? No, none of no. them were. So. Oh, thank no. goodness. Uh. 
The other ones were Kawhi Leonard, Al Horford, Serge Ibaka, Paul Millsap, and Udonis Haslam. Okay. Yeah, those were all dudes that I was like in the wheelhouse of guys. The, the guy I was going to say was LaMarcus Aldridge, but he retired right. like. Oh, right. Yeah, a that would have been a good guess. All right, question five. Name the five teams with the worst winning percentage in Major League Baseball entering play Austin. today. Ben. I, the Baltimore Orioles. Show me the Orioles. All right, pass or play? I'll play. Okay. Got one and uh, correct four left. All right, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Show me the D-backs. You have right now the two worst teams, or the two worst winning percentage teams in Major League Baseball so far. How about the Rockies? Show me the Rockies. Yeah. They are actually fifth on the list. They're the closest to not being in the bottom five. Good for those people. Yeah. Climbing out of the cellar. The Detroit Tigers. Show me the Tigres. One strike. It's two left, though. Um, how about the Cincinnati Red Stockings? Show me the Reds. All right, two strikes now. Uh, Pittsburgh, the Pirates. Show me the Pirates. Go Pirates! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, one left. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, but only one strike left. Right. Don't mess it up. Tim says, "Don't mess it up." I Tim always says it. that. Don't even another question. Um. About the Washington Nationals. Show me the Washington Nationals. All right, yet another steal opportunity. We've had a lot of them tonight. Ben, you have to stay alive, or you have to get this right to stay alive. All right, the tr- I, I'm stuck between two, and the two teams I'm thinking of are the Texas Rangers and the Minnesota Twins. Okay. And I and I. Th- I'm pretty sure the Twins were in last place in the Central entering play either yesterday or today. And I know the Rangers are just on a terrible losing streak right now. (laughs) (laughs) Those would be both good reasons to guess one of those teams, but... And the Mariners are also terrible. True. So now you've got three to pick now Now they're entering the picture. Right. Oh, man. Mm. I don't think it's the Twins. I'm going to take them off. But then I think that's maybe why Josh asked the question. Wow. I'm keeping guessing <laughs> right now. Man, they're in the same division too. Oh, yeah, this is tough. This is why you have to study your standings every single day. <laughs> That's right. Give me the Texas Rangers. Show me the Rangers for the steal. Ben stays alive. All right. What a guess. They were on my list, too. Why, Good job, Ben. Why would I have asked the question if the Twins were on it? I would never have done that. They were number six, uh, though, on the list. I That's why I cut sixth. it off at five. Oh my God. Yeah, I cut it off at five. That's All right. Crazy. Let's move here to six. All right. Another ingenious question by me. <laughs> Who are the four Major League Baseball players who have hit the most home runs in the month of June in a single season? Austin? Austin <laughs> okay, and Austin, go ahead. Confidently. Uh, Sammy Sosa. Show me Sammy. Slamming Sammy. Sure. In 1998, he hit 20. This is a ridiculous question. Far and away the most. Um, I'll stick in that same summer, the guy who was competing against Mark McGuire. Show me Mark. 
guess, and it does not on the list. Um, is this like all time? All time. Yeah, all time. In the month of June. In the month of June. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> because this is the month of June, Ben. That's why. Uh, yeah, 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 Barry yeah, Bonds. I got, I got that. <laughs> Show me Barry Bonds. Good guess. Good guess. You would think that he would have right, been on there, but... Get there. Still a sack fly. Hans Alberto comes across the score. All right. <laughs> and I don't think it's him. I really Just don't guess. think it's Hans Alberto. Can Sorry confirm. if I crossed him off your list, Ben. Um, how about a roid? <laughs> Show me a fraud. <laughs> All right, three opportunities for or three correct I mean, answers available. You're for you're absolutely just throwing a something at the dartboard here. I mean, if you top five home run hitters in June in all time, and <laughs> but in a single season, it's not all time really. It's in a single oh in a so in a single season. Yeah, in a Which, single season in the month of June, all time. If you really break it down, most of these answers make sense. I would give me Ken Griffey Jr. Show me Ken Griffey Jr. All right, Austin wins. The answers Stay were alive. Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, Bob Johnson. They all had 15 <laughs> Bob homers. Johnson. Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson. How tough. could I have got? How could I miss the, that? The logic, though, with <laughs> this question is going back to the shortened se shorter seasons, guys who hit a lot of home runs in one year. So it yeah, kind of made sense. Come on, guys, get it right. Sure, it's all right. At least we got that. one of the answers. So. We Either are. way, I'm happy because even if I don't win, I get to ask Tim questions next week, and I feel bad for who, for Austin if he wins because he's going to have to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will see probably Ben and Tim next week. I, I'm gone, and uh, we'll have a round three at some point. Phone lines back open for you, but coming up after our quick timeout, we'll talk to Andy Weingarten from Wave TV in Louisville talking the Belmont Stakes right after this. Sports Nightly rolling right along in a Thursday night final hour of the week, getting you set for Husker baseball tomorrow. But coming up on Saturday, the Belmont Stakes. None better to break that down for us than Andy Weingarten of Wave TV near Louisville. Andy, Belmont is this weekend, but probably the biggest news in horse racing comes out of Churchill Downs. Bob Baffert, a two-year ban from the track after the Medina Spirit incident. Is, does the punishment fit the crime in this situation in your eyes? Oh, I think absolutely it does. I think he's fortunate that it's only two years because this isn't the first incident. Uh, you know, there have been a couple of other incidences with him, with other horses, and this one occurred in you know the biggest race of all, the Kentucky Derby. I mean, they they had to make a hard, they had to make a statement, they had to make it hard, had to make it fast, and they did. And I, I think he's fortunate. It's only two years. I, there were a lot of people here who thought it could be five years or more that he'd be out of the Derby, but uh, you know, two years, two years will certainly get his attention, and 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 hopefully we can we can put this issue to bed once and for all. Well, we'll put it behind us here as we move on to the Belmont third leg of the Triple Crown. No Triple Crown in play this year. A smaller field, Andy, only an eight-horse field. A couple known quantities in Essential Quality and Ron Bauer. What can you tell us about the rest of the field? Well, you've got a number of horses that uh, skipped the Preakness and came back for the Derby. In fact, a lot of the uh, front runners uh, behind, uh, you know, other than Medina Spirit, uh, so you've got uh, you've got Essential Quality who's coming back. You've got Hot Rod Charlie who's coming back. Uh, these were solid horses before the Derby and ran ran well in that race. Uh, Rock Your World, who I think will be the speed horse in this race, if there is. Uh, any speed. There's no uh, real pure speed in this, but I think he'll be uh, near, if not at the at the uh, at the lead uh, at the beginning of the race. And Todd Fletcher has got a trio of horses. In fact, three of the eight horses are are Todd Fletcher trained, and uh, you know, so he he's looking for a good showing in in the Belmont as well. And then you got a couple of them that came back from the uh, from the Preakness that that didn't run especially well, but uh, look like they want to give it another crack. And uh, you know, so you've ended up with a with a field of eight you know it should be a clean race you know with eight horses uh on that track with its sweeping turns it should be easy uh there should not be any traffic problems 
you kind of touched on it here, Andy, a, a track and the big turns, no real speed uh, little areas. Mile and a half track, how does it run, and is it going to run any different with weather? Are we looking pretty clear for that on Saturday afternoon, evening? Well, they got a lot of heavy rain up there now in New York uh, tonight and early tomorrow, but uh, they'll have plenty of time to dry things out. It looks like a sunny and about 85, 86-degree day uh, on Saturday. So as long as the sun comes out, I would expect they'll have at least a good track, if not a uh, fast one. And, yeah, again, this is it's a little bit of a different race because the turns are not as sharp as they are at uh, Churchill Downs and especially at Pimlico. It's more of a sweeping one type of turn uh, so it's not as important <coughs> excuse me not as quite as important to get an inside position here as it is at the other two tracks all right three Todd Pletcher horses in the races like you mentioned pretty good odds three out of eight 37 and a half percent for a top three crack it looks like let's <laughs> start with your third place horse who you have in the show position this weekend well was my pick for the Kentucky Derby. He ran well, just didn't quite have enough. He finished third in the Derby. I like Hot Rod Charlie. He hits the board every time, it seems like, and uh, he's had plenty of rest, should have a good good trip, but come up just a little bit short. I like Hot Rod Charlie to finish third. I've had a couple people pick Hot Rod Charlie back here in our little office pool. That's sweet music <laughs> to their ears. All right, second place horse. You're placing horse. What do you got for us? Yeah, this was a tough one. There was really three horses that I've considered for these other uh, two positions, but I'm going to go with the central quality to finish second. Uh, he was the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, should probably be end up being the favorite in this race. If it hadn't been for the bumping and racing wide, he might have had a really good chance to win. He could very well win this one, but uh, there's one I like just a little bit better, and so I'm going to put a central quality in the two shot. All right, you've kept us hanging on. Who is that one horse you like just that little bit better to win the Belmont this weekend? Well, like I said, Todd Fletcher, Todd Fletcher has got three of the eight horses in there. I like his best one. I like the six-horse Known Agenda. Uh, Known Agenda uh, did not run very well in the Derby, although he, he kind of finished pretty strong, but he was on the rail, which is just not a good place to be at Churchill Downs when you're running out of the one-hole uh, it just it's hard to get it done there because of where that position is. Um, I think he'll be stalking maybe a little little further up front than he was in the Derby. Um, and Todd Pletcher knows how to win the Belmont. He's done he's done this a number of times. I think this horse uh, may just but barely be the best in the field. But there's really five horses I think that have a pretty good chance. But I'm going to go with Known Agenda to win it. Known Agenda, the known number one pick of Andy Weingarten of Wave TV <laughs> out in Louisville. Andy, thanks as always for your insight. We really appreciate it and looking forward to the race on Saturday afternoon. Okay, I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll talk to you guys again for next year's Triple Crown. Final segment of the week here on Sports Nightly. Our Sports Nightly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience. The difference, purchase with confidence, this is Woodhouse. Well, like I said, no flicks picks. That's because Tim would bring something foreign in. We didn't want to have to deal with that. But because of that, Tim, we will let you start off with your winners and losers for this week. How jingoistic of you. Well, nothing foreign <laughs> uh, with my winners and losers. Uh, my loser of the week, uh, even though he won on the court, has undoubtedly have to be Kyrie Irving uh, after they eliminated the Celtics in Game 5. In his post-game interview, he told the Yes Network, we're uniting the whole world with this championship run, so I hope everybody with us, we're uniting the whole world with this run. Stick with us, baby. Well, I can speak for the whole world in that no one is rooting for you or Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> outside of that <laughs> franchise. Um, what a joke. Kyrie Irving is trying to position himself as a hero when he is most definitely, as we discussed earlier in the program, a villain. Kyrie Irving, you are a loser. Uh, my winner of the week, though, uh, got to be Johnny Manziel, a.k.a. Johnny Football, for admitting he made over 30 grand selling autographs in college. <laughs> the original NIL Trailblazer. So good, good for him. Good for him. Useless. As a football player, probably even more so as a, as a human being. But wow. good for him for, uh, for giving us the nitty-gritty, the details on uh, his... Apparently, he never took a dime until after he got the right. hiring. So it's all all in the clear. Nothing untoward there. So good all for right. Johnny football. 
Very good. All right. My loser is kind of similar to yours, Tim, but I'm going more generic. The NBA player fan interactions this last week or so have been a really bad look on both sides of things. And I know that there's plenty of blame to go around. Obviously, nothing... Uh, should be th- ever thrown from the stands or, I mean, yelled that are that are bad. But you mentioned Kyrie, him stomping on the logo, and Trey Young pulling his antics. Those have all been kind of uh, distasteful, I guess. But it, it goes both ways. So I'm just going generically the player-fan interactions in the NBA. My winner is James Madison softball pulling off the upset over number one Oklahoma. And James Madison unseated. I think this is only like the second or third time it's ever happened in the Women's College World Series where an unseated team beat the number one team in the field. So good for James Madison. All right, my loser of the week, I brought it up with Andy not long ago. I've got Bob Baffert, two-year ban for his transgressions at Churchill Downs. My winner of the week, a legacy award, Mike Krzyzewski going out on his own terms. One season left in him, nothing more. Hat tip to Coach K and Tim for the musical (laughs) outro. That'll put a wrap on this week of Sports Nightly. Buckle up and put the phone down. Reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. We'll be back with you next week. Might be Monday. It might be Tuesday for Sports Nightly, but Husker Baseball on the year in about 22 hours. You'll have Greg and Ben tomorrow night. Go Big Red.